0: For all entrepreneur out there, I'm here to say, the most important asset to you and the most, and customer isn't number one. Mm-hmm. Maybe customer is the boss. Maybe I'll agree with that and I'm not sure, I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But customer is not number one. Your team is number one.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the BlueMax episodes of 2020. Got a great lineup set up for you guys. Uh, as you notice, we're in a new location now. We're filming out of Huddle ShareSpace. is a new co-working space out of Scarborough. We're operating out of here as well. Uh, but of course, we gotta give out a main shout out to MCRO, who continues to be a mainline sponsor for the, for the show and for everything that we do. So remember guys, if you're looking for any apps, to any, make any apps, uh, create any software, definitely consider them in your process. Uh, they do a great job. They support us and they can definitely support you. Happy 2020, guys. Perfect, and we're on. Mohammed, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, this you're one guest I've been really excited to have on. Uh, I know there's been a few reschedules back and forth, but thank you so much for taking your time to be here, um, especially with so much going on with you. Like like now especially with LinkedIn, it seems like you're everywhere, sharing your story, being part of some initiative, um, and just like and like really sharing your particular story, which is really interesting. And one of the things we want to really diagnose uh, on the show is, you know, how and Somebody came into the country in 1999, right? picked up a restaurant chain and built into the empire you have now, right? Let's talk about the background of um, where you came from. So we were just talking before the show, before, um, we, got, we went on um, about your background, right? So you from Lebanon originally, went to Italy to study and then came to Toronto. Can we talk a little bit about that? For sure.
0: Well, yeah. First, let me thank you very much for having me here and giving me this opportunity to share one more time, my story in a different way. I'm very excited about this. Mm-hmm. And I want to congratulate you and your team for thank all you. the great work. Like you said, you mentioned on LinkedIn, you, you guys seem to be a celebrity on LinkedIn too. I keep seeing your, <laughs> your posts and thank your you. ads and everything you do. So congratulations. Thank we, you. Thank we you. We need our next generation leaders to be out there and showing you the great work. Because I always believe that we become what we celebrate. And so celebrating success of young entrepreneurs is very important to all of us. Thank you. Yeah. So thank uh, you. Yes uh, like you said uh, I um I'm born in Lebanon I, at the age of 16 years old I left uh, because of the war and I went to Italy to study and I'm gemologist so I study in
1: gemologist gemologist We're so the study gems. of it,
0: gems diamonds and uh, I actually I'm certified gemologist that I could sign your diamond certificate <laughs> so uh, and uh, I went uh, to an apprenticeship program I worked in Italy and in Europe in gemology as a gemologist then I got a call from my family my parents wanted me back thinking to open a business together in the jewelry business so we started the plan to do that went back to Beirut and after a year the war restarted again so I realized that I couldn't have any longer term plan I'm not saying I suggest people to have a long-term plan. Yeah. I always tell people, please don't have a very, very long-term plan because yeah. you want to enjoy celebrating your plan while, while you're alive, not after. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But bottom line, I wanted something that I can plan forward for five, six years, wanted better life for my family that I didn't have yet. Mm-hmm. right? I was single. So I decided to come to Canada to help a friend of mine that kept saying, come to Canada. It's a great country. I want you to come see it. And I need some help to restructure my company. Landed here in, in a tourist visa, with a tourist visa, and I start helping him restructuring his company. This is when I realized how Canadians were welcoming, yeah. how they were nice, you know, smiley. People always talk about the weather in the elevator. I still don't understand that one, but <laughs> I start doing it myself. But the bottom line, I realized that I could fit in. Mm. And that's when I start looking for a job, start walking around the Eaton center and applying to become a jeweler at one of the jewelry stores. that he always declined me yeah. and said, you didn't have Canadian experience and it yeah. used to upset me. And I'm like, and until now, I actually challenge people to hire people that they came from different backgrounds with yeah. different set of expertise, because it makes us all better mm-hmm. It makes us more a progressive country. And it gives us a great idea and amazing connections. To the rest of the world absolutely and it shouldn't be always the united States. you know i love having connection and trade with the united states but i think it, we could be as diversified as our different backgrounds in canada and the mosaic of this country but we could do that in business as well and give people opportunities even give some weight to their experience that coming from other countries and i I, i'm hoping that we all together can do more often that and give opportunity to these people that they just arrived to this country wanting a better life for their family for their children and we shouldn't set them back and say your experience is worth nothing Mm. we should actually use that expertise use that experiences and those years to actually look at our experience differently yeah. and open up to new ideas and hopefully we'll become all better and we all win. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And from there, basically, I started looking for a job and I couldn't get a job. So I ended up living in a basement apartment. I lived in a shared basement apartment mm-hmm. uh, with three other guys in the beginning in uh, Jane and Wilson. Uh, yeah, great area at the time it was even worse than today <laughs> but you know what it's still part of our city and i love it yeah yeah. and it's part of my past and the history of me being who i am today and i'll never forget that and i'm very appreciative to that and uh, lived in that basement apartment uh, the landlord was upstairs we were three guys four in the beginning then three yeah. then it got better to two then everybody left and i stayed in that basement
1: yeah
0: yeah uh i had to work uh, for tim horton for five days. Then I worked for coffee time for much longer than that. Pouring coffee, getting to know Canada and Canadians. Mm -hmm. And uh, until I actually decided one day to go back to that jewelry store that refused me several times. And I asked him if he would hire me for free. Mm. And he said, yes. (laughs) So I got a job for free. Okay. I worked for free for six months. I had to do night shifts in coffee time. Yeah. And, uh, at that time, I was really working so hard to prove myself at the jewelry store. They gave me a great opportunity. And a store across, in the Eaton Center, uh, a competition store, a competing store came and saw my worth and gave me a good paying job. And that's where I had the opportunity to stop working. Sorry, this jewelry shopping.
1: center was downtown as well? Like near- yeah,
0: they were both in the Eaton Center. Both in the Eaton yeah. Center. Yeah. Wow, okay. So a competing jewelry store actually came yeah. and gave me, offered me a job. Paying a job, finally. So I was able to stop working uh, for coffee. Absolutely. And uh, worked very hard, proved myself, became a store manager, then a regional for Mm -hmm. a couple of stores. And one day, this lovely lady walked in, and she was looking for a very expensive watch. And I had a conversation with her, and I convinced her that that expensive watch that she always dreamt of wasn't the right watch for her. Her wrist was bigger than the watch. The watch was very tiny. So I suggested her something that's costing her less money, I needed the money badly. I would have made a great commission if I would have sold her the more expensive one. I would yeah. have bought my first car ever. Mm-hmm. And then I, I decided to build a long-term relation with her and suggest her on the right thing. Yeah. So I suggested her less money watch, basically less price. And she appreciated that. A yeah. couple of weeks after she came back and she offered me a job. And I said, no, I'm not looking for a job. I'm okay. looking to own part of your company if you <laughs> let me. And, <laughs> and she thought I was crazy, but, yeah. which is I was for sure. Yeah. Entrepreneurs are crazy, yeah. but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, no, unless you offer me a share of the business and a very small, tiny salary so I can su- survive, I'm not interested to move. Okay. And uh, she said, no, she left. She came back after a month and she agreed. And that was my first opportunity ever to own anything in Canada, including a couch. I never had anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know.
1: uh, Uh, Which business is this? uh,
0: Jewelry. The jewelry store? The jewelry business. She owned a jewelry store? She owned a couple of small jewelry stores, but she didn't have Rolex watches and she wanted a watch. She came to me and that's where I met her. And then she offered me that I'll manage her jewelry store. Okay. And I asked for a percentage of ownership of the business. Amazing. Yeah. Like what we call it in business today is sweat equity. Yeah right absolutely and she agreed we built it we made it very successful it became five locations instead of two and what she wanted to leave the business for some health reasons she helped me buy two locations on my own yeah and i did and that was again another big like moment of my life to yeah own a business on my own alone in canada right and until then
1: i didn't have money i was like so can we digest that for a second because sure, it. like because, I mean, you throw a lot at us, like the, the idea that you would work for free when you're, when you're a new country and uh, struggling to make ends meet, right? What kind of blowback did you get from that? Did your friends, family, did they do they know about this, that you're going to work for free at a location? Like, yeah.
0: A lot of my friends used to say, why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, you could have stayed in Lebanon, your family's there. A lot of people used to say, oh, well, they're taking advantage of you. I didn't think so. Yeah. I actually appreciate every help I received from every single person I met until even today. I think those people made me who I am today. I think those uh, opportunities because opening the door of a jewelry store for a stranger that speak with a heavy accent that I still have. And I would love to keep for the rest of my life. Yeah, um, I think that is something to appreciate and Mm. to understand that that person trusted me. It doesn't matter how much he paid me, even if it was zero. But that message of a trust, being open to really give someone an opportunity yeah. is something that I'll appreciate for the rest of my life. And I'm still in contact with, with everyone, including the person that rented me that basement. She shows up to a lot of the event where I, I'm speaking sometime or, yeah. or, or my company events. The owner of the jewelry store where I worked for free. Yeah, you, you got a lot of pushback from a lot of people in a lot of moments in your life. It's just you have to decide who you want to be as a human yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. You want to be that stand-up person? You want to make a real difference? Or you just want to be living the life like everybody else and you never leave any marks behind? Right? I mean, I
1: think that attitude really speaks to uh, today's issues, right? But I mean, we, we talk a lot about the show, about the future of work and how that looks like. And I was listening to a lecture yesterday, actually, by like Milton Friedman, who talked about economics and about jobs, right? And the people's mentality of like, of like, you know, minimum wage and like, I need this. This is, this is my standard. Anything less than that, I'm being screwed over or like, you know, it's a negative. People are, people are very less likely to move forward in life or take risks uh, because they feel like they're losing something. Right. And the way you're just talking about now is like, no, no, this is a, this is a gain for me. Right. I was, tra- I was able to trade my labor, right, to get ahead, to get into, into a bit, into uh, to compete, right, against other people who can speak be- better uh, the language of me or grew up in this environment, right? By being able to say I work for free, you're able to outcompete that interest and get the owner to uh, to uh, give you that opportunity. Would you say that's fair?
0: Absolutely, and I actually think that people uh, it's, there is nothing wrong with starting with a job at minimum wage. Mm-hmm. I think is only uh, uh, where you need to start. And yeah, it doesn't matter where how, including. Working for free like they yeah, did. Yeah. So I don't think people who's who has who's been paid minimum wage has anything to complain about. Unless you really want to skip something that is very important and people don't pay attention to it, yeah, that it's a growing pain. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Sometimes being treated less or paid less, it should be that push. What well, it's Newton law. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That external force that gets you to move and change something big in your life. Mm-hmm. And you should be always appreciative to even the people that are giving you that minimum wage yeah. and don't look at only the money part of it about what what you're learning during that because we all need to go through that growing pain and make us the people we're gonna become down the road yeah. now if you tell me that you're only arguing or negotiating your wage because you only want to be stuck in that zone yeah i'll tell you as an entrepreneur i don't think you should be part of our team Mm. because we want to work on you develop you look i think people have taken business in the wrong way yeah i don't think people work for paramount i think people work for people yeah for all entrepreneurs out there i'm here to say the most important asset to you and the most and customer isn't number one Mm -hmm. Maybe customer is the boss. Maybe I'll agree with that and I'm not sure. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. But customer is not number one. Your team is number one. And to the people on the other side, unless you're really ready and happy to be developed and aiming for more and better, no company would want you mm. for minimum wage or for 500000 a year. Even companies are dying for talents, but most importantly, they want good people with good culture. Yeah. They want people that can work on a team now. Yeah. Right? Because it's not anymore important to just have the money in business. What's important is to have the right talent. And to maintain the right talent, you have a great culture. And to have a good culture, you have to have great people. Absolutely. So it goes back. The most important thing for everyone Mm -hmm. is good people. Yeah. And for me as a part of the team the most important is to develop myself to be a good team player yeah
1: and part of that good culture absolutely right so i mean let's talk about like how you develop this mentality where did it come from did you have the privilege of knowing good mentors or a, a leader who like taught this to you or did you pick it up along the way or this is this moral compass
0: well it's all together yeah right the person I am today and a lot of people come to Canada and they want to forget where they came from. Yeah. And I'm absolutely against it. I always say the person I am, the person you are today, even if you're born here, but your parents were not from here. Yeah. Right. You are a combination of what your parents learned, where they came from mm-hmm. and what you learned here combined together and put in you. Yeah. So always be proud of where you came from. Absolutely. And I'm proud to say, you know what I am, Who I am today because of the older people, their wisdom. In Lebanon during the war, they used to say the best thing. Even my mom having a shoebox at the front of the door where we put coins in it every day because she thought by us donating even pennies every morning that God will protect us and more benefit and more money will come to our life and better life we will have. So I was brought up that way as a kid and... I was brought up that we should be always thankful for what we have and the people, especially that they help us to have what we have. And I was able to translate it to be thankful to Canadians for what I have and the people that made me have what I have and put in that shoebox that became much bigger today. It's not anymore a shoebox and give back to the community because I actually truly wired that way, Mm -hmm. that more I give, more I make absolutely right yeah yeah. and and it's all about it's all about that so though so yes having mentors in your life but those mentors should not be dressed up in a suit and there is a sign at the door called mentors your mentors could be your parents your mentors could be older people younger people friends but i had mentors in italy i had different mentors like yoda said there's only two Mm -hmm. right A, a student and an apprentice yeah right yeah and that that's Yoda. <laughs> we all know Star Wars. So mentors are very, very important yeah. in your life. And they'll bridge that gap f- instead of you making the same mistakes. And usually they're not people that you love them all the time. Sometimes you have mi- mixed feeling about them because they tell you your ideas wrong mm-hmm. and <laughs> how to do it better. And sometimes you feel, no, 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 I want to stick to my idea. I'm not saying change your ideas. I'm saying Listen to mentors, even the one that you do not want to, like, really follow what they suggested you, but be aware of what they're saying, because that will make you avoid a lot of problems.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, going back to exactly what you said, like, there was actually a period in my life where I did work for free for somebody, right? This is when, um, so I started, like, three companies before I turned 25, like, rapidly. I just knew I wanted to build companies, but I didn't have the skills or the experience to keep them afloat. So they each failed in different ways. And in between like company number one and two, I had this period where I'm like, I need to go learn skills. I thought about law school, you know, understanding legal structure. Maybe I have had this hard knowledge of something, right? But I'm like, what do lawyers do? What do all these, uh, what are these professionals? How does it look like? Can I do that? So I went to a law lawyer, I, I kind of knew it. I was uh, volunteering at a tree planting ceremony, right? A tree planting um, uh, event, right? We're planting trees, went to this lawyer And I'm like, you know, can I come work for you for free? Like I'll shuffle papers for you. I'll be there just for a day or however long you want me there. Just I'll do anything you want. I just want to see what happens. You know, what is it happens in a a law firm? Like, what do you do as a lawyer? Like, what does your day look like? I want to envision if that's something I can do. And um, ended up working for free, only working for like a week, right? But turns out, even though he was a lawyer, he was starting up his own another company, right? In like quantitative finance. And he was training his salespeople. And I got to sit into that, and I got like a master's level, like understanding of finance from sitting in those training meetings where we're talking about, you know, how to raise capital, how to structure these agreements, how to structure like fundraising comp- company funds, right, and all this stuff. And that week gave me like a fundamental, high level understanding of finance that I was able to like utilize in so many different things. Uh, so like, I really re- resonate your story because I like. I've heard a few people who've done this. The first time I'm talking to somebody else who have done it as well, right? And it's so great to talk about that kind of mentality where you're like, you're so hungry for growth that you'll go put yourself out, out in this, this position to learn. I don't think enough people do that where they want to, they're, they're like hungry enough to go learn, right? I feel like a lot of people need to get like, inspired or have leader figures to be like, you know, go do this, right? So I guess now if someone wants to get mentored by you, Let's talk about right. Like you're on the other side now, where you're qualified to be a mentor to give back. Are you mentoring anyone right now? Like, do, I, you I look do it look for all the people? Time.
0: Yeah. I do it all the time. Um, yeah. Look again. I live, I I live day in day out, always, every single day, thinking how appreciative I am to where I am today. Yeah. And I actually still have mentors today, as we speak, myself. Yeah. But those mentors need to change for you, for everyone. At every stage of your life, you need different type of mentors and different caliber of mentors. So definitely love to mentor people. I mentor people a lot. I was speaking at a kid entrepreneur, uh, which is amazing. I was very inspired by these children that Mm. owns their own business. One of them was a photographer that actually got a grant at 14 years old. Amazing. Bought his own camera and he actually makes monthly money to his house. Yeah. And at that age, it's almost illegal what he's doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, and I'm actually inviting him to spend a day with me as a day with the CEO. So to understand exactly yes. what you did with that legal firm, basically. Yeah. But if you want something done, you need to do it yourself. Mm. So, yes, you wanted to go to that law firm. So you can push someone you can give them the tools but unless they have that grit inside of them wanting to learn wanting to to invest people don't realize it doesn't matter how much money you do mm. invest in other businesses the yeah. best investment you do is in yourself absolutely the best investment you, you make is learning how to listen learning how to actually knowing what you don't know in life yeah
1: yeah, the unknown unknowns right yeah you yeah. need
0: to know what you don't know in life a yeah. lot of people think you know it all and they know it all and and even hire executives with a lot of knowledge but they don't listen to them they don't give them that autonomy of of yeah. really doing things yeah and they still just hire them to hire them i think the best thing you have in your life is listening and you need to know what you don't know. absolutely and that's very important and you need to remember if you want something done you need to to really want it yourself and get out and get it done. Mm. You can't wait for, the, for, for things to happen for you. Absolutely. You need to go and get it done. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, going back to your initial idea to study gemology, right? Was that something you thought about? Like, this could be a tool, a skill I can use to start my own business? No, to I jump? just
0: loved it. You loved it. And I hated the fact that my dad wanted me to be a lawyer, engineer, or a doctor. Okay. I mean, when is the last time you've heard a dad telling his son, I want you to become an entrepreneur? Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They don't because yeah. they don't think that's something you become, you study for. Yeah. And actually you don't. You don't study for it. Because even when you go study business and mm-hmm. get an MBA, what they teach you is how to become an executive in a corporation. Yeah. But not an entrepreneur. Yeah. And the opposite is right. You could be a lawyer, a doctor, or anything, and still want to be an entrepreneur, like the lawyer you just mentioned that yeah. actually opened a second company well, like that that absolutely. lawyer eventually might find out that he doesn't want to become a lawyer anymore because yeah. yeah. his business is doing so well. Yeah, so I think gemology was a way for me that I love the gems. I still love the gems. I think that's how I'm going to be retired one day by a diamond store and just sit have fun with it. Yeah. But at the yeah. end of the day, I'm not someone and I'm not a lot of entrepreneurs They don't limit themselves to an opportunity. And they always want something in you coming up. And they always have great idea, regardless of they're great or not, but they just wanna take a chance, take a risk. And guess, you need to be ready to fail. Yeah. Because you will, even the alchemist said, you are gonna fall seven times before you stand up once. Mm-hmm. So every time you fail, don't get just all and Because that means you're failing one more time. So one less time before you get to the success. Yeah. Right? So you need to count four or five times failing before you get to a big success where you feel like oh wow now i'm happy i'm
1: upset I'm, I'm comfortable do you have a period in your life where you're like you realize failure is good because like coming from the traditional immigrant background everyone teaches you never fail right try not to fail be as safe as possible right be secure in every decision you're making um wh- when did you realize that failure is good because i feel like everyone comes to a point where they realize where they messed up is like a guiding force for them
0: I, I think uh, it's not only a background thing i think everyone is afraid to lose what they already secured yeah so people have a job at 70 thousand dollar, and they really want to do something more and bigger but they'll say what if i lost my 70 thousand dollar job right and you need to realize that you need to take those chances mm-hmm. it's not about it's not about where you work how much you make it's about how happy it makes you right Are you happy with what you're doing? Do you want some? You know how many people has a great idea that they take them with them to the grave? Yeah. And the only reason is security. So you need to decide who you want to be. Again, one more time. Are you going to be that person that takes their idea to the grave with them? And let me tell you, 99% of the time, you're going to move it to your children. And your children are going to look at you and say, "He's done. he's been an engineer in the same company all his life. Why don't I just do the same that's safe? Yeah right it seemed like because you set an example to people without wanting to set an example for them so yeah a lot of time i felt oh my god i'm gonna go back and have to work for free or live in a basement apartment (laughs) yeah but i actually enjoyed it yeah and i actually miss it now like those were amazing days for me it makes probably my grit is less now than before and yeah. I want it back the way yeah. it was and I want to be hungry yeah. and I always say you really need to be hungry yeah, yeah to, to do things differently to do things that people will notice and I'm not saying notice because you need to show off notice because you're doing so good for others yeah. you're going so good for you're changing lives mm. you know to me what I do I don't think it's about the money anymore and a long time ago it hasn't been around money I, I, Toronto Life said Paramount is for Mohammed is to finance what he does with the community. Actually it hit my it, it did hit me hard that message. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's true. What gets me up in the morning is how many life we can change, including yeah. the, the younger people that works for at Paramount, yeah. beside me, and everywhere else, right? Yeah. So yes, failing is scary and because it gives us a little bit less self confidence that our ideas were great, our homework were great. But if you're doing something different, I don't think there's anyone else out there that will know the recipe except you failing and testing and getting it there. You could get suggestion and everything, but that does not give you 100% guarantee that you will succeed. Absolutely. But you have to be happy to fail and and know that you're going through that, knowing that you're going to get more and bigger. Yeah, definitely you need to do certain metrics of, Security and collect money and put them aside in the beginning one year worth of carrying your business If you really your mistakes were big enough and you're negative your P&L is red for longer <laughs> Yesterday I had the pleasure to have a dinner with a very very big entrepreneur and a businessman in the city And he's talking about this company that's been losing for nine years mm. And he keep continuing because he believed in it and last year he had five million dollars wow. in profit Yeah Right imagine if that person has given up at year six And last year, he made five and a half million dollars. One more year, he'll make 11 million dollars in one year. So the total he'll make in two years, which is year 10 and 11, is more than he would have made ever in (laughs) the first nine years. And he would have gave up on his company. So look, success is not simple. And it's like a spaghetti. It's not yeah. a straight line. Yeah, There is ups and downs and there is hiccups and there is everything. But when you believe in what you do and when you love what you do, mm-hmm. you don't feel it. Absolutely. You, you simply don't feel it.
1: Yeah. So one of the things I want to uh, to get your opinion on, right, It's how like the, uh, the Canadian system, economy and everything <laughs> is set up. Is, is it meant to promote entrepreneurs and how can we make it better, right? And your thoughts. Like one of the things that Canada as like a limited economy as it is and being like you know one tenth of the population of America we actually produce like almost 25% more entrepreneurs per capita and one of the main reason is if you're 27 28 years old and you want to leave your job you don't you don't lose your health insurance right you can take that risk cuz your family still can have access to healthcare and all these things right so by providing this part of our system universal healthcare like we provided a play like a system where people are, can take more risk by like you know leaving comfortable places and Going to positions of higher growth, where they're creating businesses or organizations or personal projects. And I think more and more, as technology comes more face in our lives, we're becoming more and more entrepreneurial. We're forced to, right? Well, somebody, um, the guy who started AngelList, right, like a famous entrepreneur, he was talking about this, like how where technology is changing is taking us back as a culture, almost like hunter and gatherers, like farmers, right? Where, before, like, the for the 20th century and 19th century. Everyone is joining the big companies to be part of a, a bigger system. But now, because of technology, people are becoming more and more entrepreneurial. They're more independent. They work more on contracts rather than employment. Right? They jump between company to company. They, they focus on building their own skill sets, which they utilize to get other contracts. Right? So whether you're em- contractor as a contractor for your labor, for your for your skill sets, or you build a company, you become more independent. So I think the future of work, the future of how everything's going to work, is more entrepreneurial, more like this. So. I'm interested in your opinions right like what could be done to foster entrepreneurial growth or that kind of community
0: i actually like how you started this but uh we don't realize that
1: uh, one the government you're
0: right mm-hmm. uh, knowing that the minimal even your children will go to school regardless how much risk you take yeah and having that health insurance is very important two i don't think we're a small economy we're the 10th one of the 10 top economy, as you saw the announcement a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So this American dream about the self, the interests, striving for riches that we always talk about, I think we should talk more about the Canadian dream. And we don't talk enough about the Canadian dream. It's true. Even back home in London, uh, a friend of mine that comes from Asia, from other places, everybody talks about the American dream. Mm-hmm. I think Canada has a much better dream. We need to talk more about the Canadian dream. Mm-hmm. And the Canadian dream is about giving the opportunity to these immigrant. Immigrant, you just said that we have 28% more entrepreneur in Canada because the opportunity that's given to immigrant in Canada is much bigger than the United States. Yeah. And immigrants, there are so many reports out there. There are so many articles out there that immigrants tend more to become entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. If someone left their country, someone left everything they had, their family, to take a chance just for a better life, yeah. they're probably more... <coughs> ready to take another chance to open a business and hire people. And that's how we build this country. Yeah. And then if we show them our appreciation of what they've done, they'll give us back the appreciation of paying it forward to the community and that the country will become better. Yeah. And I think especially last government, the federal government has supported entrepreneurs, right, left, and center. There's much more work to do, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're not talking taxes, we're not talking this, but on the support of a startup entrepreneur. One other point that is very important on technology, IT, in the old days, you're right. Your voice, even today, you wouldn't be able to be behind a microphone yeah. 30 years ago. No, no way. Right? It's who you know, yeah. right? And you have to be from certain social level to be able to have your voice heard. Yeah. And I think that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. and most importantly it's a blessing if we use it the proper way yeah. and the proper way should be while we're using these, this technology to bring us forward we shouldn't forget our values our principles and a lot of certain ways that made us who we are and defined us as Canadian and as a human yeah. because so much technology sometimes people mistakenly I'm not saying it should be that way mistakenly they will lose the touch of the people, the value. And, and I'm telling you today is people, people is all over it. The most important is people, mm-hmm. right? We need talents. We need people to support my business. Yeah. And today people will never support your company. I always talk about the quadruple bottom line. The quadruple bottom line is a new bottom line. People used to talk about profit only. That as long as the bottom line is positive. As long as you have money in the bottom line that's what's important in business today the only way to have a successful business is to have a business that worries about the planet otherwise customer won't support it anymore business that worries about people mm. because if you know that you treat your people badly people don't want to work with you yeah. and don't want to support your company and we saw a couple of coffee shops were under attack a couple of days ago about not treating their people properly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Three, purpose. Let me tell you. 85% of the people that works at Paramount today, when you ask them, why do you work here? They say, we work here because of what the company stands for. Because our salaries are very similar to others. But yeah. people want a better and different reason why they want to be part of a company. Mm-hmm. Right? They want yeah. a bigger reason, bigger than all of us together, including me. And 99% is the community, Yeah. right? So I've received calls, like when we did the homeless, we put the homeless in hotels a couple of new years ago because they were in the street and yeah. they were getting a frostbite and it was all over the media. Yeah. And we, I got calls from people that worked at the biggest food company in Canada and saying, I want to work for this company, right? And that shows you, unless your company have a purpose, there is no way you can make a profit. People will not support you. And I was on a panel discussion. Somebody asked me, "Are you saying customer will come more often to Paramount because you help and you pay for charity and you go feed the homeless?" I said yes. And that lady said, "I actually agree. We used to eat once every two weeks at Paramount. When we saw what you're doing, we actually wanted to help you to finance this. So we start eating at Paramount once a week." So to every person starting a business, yeah, or even a life. Just realize people are very important. Yeah. Planet is very important, yeah. but most importantly, purpose is very important. If you want to ever open a profitable business, you need to look after planet, people, and purpose. And if I want to do it right, people, purpose, planet, because purpose and planet work together, and then people again.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so fascinating you're talking about this because generally we've… We, this kind of, line of talk, right? you hear from like one, if it's not business, like motivational speakers, but like tech companies, right? Tech companies really talk a lot about this, but coming from like a, like a restaurant kind of like local kind of business kind of mindset, um, you're like an empathy driven entrepreneur, right? Like it seems like everything you're talking about is like, I build everything I, I am building so I can give more. And it seems that the more I give, the more I receive and the more everyone else in the network receives. And grows together right so building that community building that kind of purpose building that kind of vision um let's talk about how you got that first started like let's talk about okay, let's go back right to your story about the <laughs> founding origin stories right um let's talk about how the paramount origin and how you instill this kind of culture right can we talk a little bit about that like i feel like fostering this kind of culture is the hardest thing how do you get it so that working at Paramount or the idea of Paramount gets associated with, like, you know, this is what you're doing, your purposes. It's
0: all about the leader and the yeah. type of culture you want mm-hmm. to implement. And I decided to implement a family culture and that family at home for me, yeah. it's all important to give back. Yeah. It's important to just have a plan for ourselves. It's have it to, for everyone else. Right. And I decided to do that at work. Instead of being two people, and a lot of people are two people. You go to some CEO's office and they're very harsh. They're so number oriented. When they're so sweet at home and they're great people at home, they're still great people at work, but they show different. I decided to be the same one person. Mm -hmm. What I learned when I was a kid, the person I am at home to be at work and with the community. And as simple as that, be yourself. I can bet you today, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who's gonna listen to this, I need them to ask themselves, everyone in this room now here i need you to ask yourself go back isn't there, isn't there someone old in your family had told you before more you give more you get back i'm sure yeah it's in every background someone will say that yeah in every religion we just tend to think by being a progressive more technology we're younger we're cooler yeah we need to forget those important points I don't think that's true. I think those points are today defining successful and failed businesses. Mm. CEOs today of companies are lost of how to deal with this. Now I need my staff to hold me accountable if I'm giving the right way, if I'm respecting the planet the right way, and CEOs not used to that. that. Well, guess what CEOs get used to it, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) It's a good thing because If you are looking ever for a great successful winning culture is get your team to buy in, to buy in your strategy, to buy in the way you're building your company, buy in the decision you're making because the only way that the business becomes successful when everyone rowing together, when everyone is buying into this strategy and therefore they will execute better, faster. And they need to feel that they're part of the creation, Mm -hmm. not coming just to support one person's vision, one person's strategy. And the smarter people leading businesses today, even when they have a great idea, they give it to their team to develop it so it becomes everyone's Mm -hmm. idea. So that buy-in will happen and the result of execution will become better.
1: Mm -hmm. That's, That's amazingly put, the way you said that. I mean, it really resonates well with the kind of company culture we're trying to do here as well. I mean, a lot of this would not have came together if like everyone didn't put their expertise and their thoughts into it. Right. When we first started this, even this podcast, right, like just position the cameras and where it's going to go, how it's going to look like everyone's thoughts and opinions get went into that. And everyone is always continue uh, voicing their opinions and like you know how do we get this message across what is going to be the core messages what is the core focus of this podcast going to be like you know it's kind of a joint project and like i, I guess my question is like was the learning curve like i want to capture that moment right like where it's like was there ever a, where you're being a leader where like you weren't practicing this was it always just instilled? did it just come out naturally or was it a learned factor no i
0: mean i had my own uh like everybody, everyone, every company goes through that growing pain. And I had my uh, moment where I said, no, oh, no, no, that's my decision. And I want it. Yeah. Right. And I'll never forget one day. I wanted to open a supermarket, a supermarket. So yeah. I figured, you know, I'm smart. Yeah, I have which is i wasn't smart with my idea uh-huh. <laughs> I, I i had an idea where i have a restaurant i have a butcher shop the butcher shop have shop, some shopping why don't i turn it to a supermarket yeah. so i went and i did a full business study hundred fifty thousand dollars study video 3d mm. video everything Jeez. how do you feel in a paramount supermarket and i go and i sit down on my uh in my boardroom with all the team all our executives and I said, let's vote on this. And I gave them this presentation. My ears were hurting as much as my smile was big, touching my ears. That's yeah. how big my smile was. And the first person on my side said, no, I would vote against it. And I'm like, oh, wow. The second person, no. Third, fourth, five, the eight people on the table. Seven of them said no. Yeah. And the last person said, you know what, boss? I'm going to say yes. Just to make you feel better. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're losing anyway. Yeah, yeah. And we decided to actually put it aside and not do it. I'm going to yeah. tell you today something. If I would if I did go into the supermarket business, I would have been bankrupted today. Yeah, jeez. Right? Yeah. So having the vote of your team on your table against your idea is one of the biggest and the best recipe of success and the recipe of them buying in. Yeah, yeah. So they made a decision that we better stick to what we're very good at, which is restaurant. And butcher shop, yeah, and keep them separately as a smaller operation are easy to handle and to repeat because mm-hmm. we're not a business that we want to do the best soup in the world one time and never repeat it again. We want to do the best soup in the world that could be repeated 3,000 times. Because when I landed in Canada and I saw Tim Horton, I said, Hey, yes, I have an accent, I just landed here, and no one wants to give me a job. But if Tim Horton can do it, why can't we? Yeah. Right. So I wanted to do the best food we could repeat. And that was very important to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And listening to your team and having them part of those decisions, including if all of them come together against your dream, your decision. I still have that 3D video (laughs) going into the Paramount supermarket and I watch it sometimes and it reminds me how amazing it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I tried to push my way. I learned it the hard way. Cost me 150,000. I could have donated. Yeah. Right. But. The bottom line is the most important is having the team beside you. And let me tell you what happened. They wanted to succeed more in the restaurant to show me I'm wrong Mm -hmm. because now it's almost they took on their own responsibility now to show him that doing a supermarket would not have been the best thing because we're going to show him the best thing is going to happen in the restaurant.
1: Yeah, amazing. So taking the team's advice and making sure that you know, you follow through with what you said, like we're gonna vote on this and doing that, kind of galvanized everyone together, brought them together, be like, okay, this is what our vision is. Even if it's against me. Buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. even though it's against you, right? Yeah. So like, I wanna talk about a little bit about mentality, like how do you control the ego factor that comes with being a boss, right? Like being a person in charge, being the, like, the, the factor of like, you know, you wanna satisfy my power base or my, my ability to be like, we're gonna do this. Like, I have my vi- my vision is what we're going towards, right? Like, how do you put that aside? So, start trunk. See,
0: you have your vision. So, I'll tell you how a strategy plan and a vision plan works okay. for Paramount. Okay. Right? We rent, we call it the castle. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to call to, to look like a castle. It's probably a hundred year old house, old house, broken beds and everything yeah. in Blue Mountain. Okay. All the executives will go there to sleep two nights. Okay. I will show up the second night. What they will do, they'll bring what we call frontline heroes as well, people that works at the restaurant level, mm-hmm. part of the executive. They put a lot of papers on the wall. They write, we, and we have a parking lot, which is a paper called Park Parking Lot, and they all write their ideas. We do SWOT, They do SWOT analysis. Okay. And they, why I'm not there? Because I want them to be independent from my presence, so it doesn't become my strategies just because I'm sitting in the meeting. Gotcha. And then they all get aligned and those 20 papers becomes only five, Mm. which is part of our next year strategy. Right? Okay. And then I'll come in the second day and I find them so eager to fight back everything I pick on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now they all got a line, they left it on those five pages as a strategy and they don't want me even to touch it. They're so protective over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. it's the opposite, if I was there, they won, they wouldn't be that way, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And then we all decide and agree on that strategy plan. So the vision is not mine, Yeah, the vision is ours. Mm. And if I wanna take a decision alone and say, that's my vision, why am I hiring experienced people? Why I'm hiring people who has so much more experience than me. Mm. Remember, I'm a gemologist selling shawarma, <laughs> right? And, and I have hired people with 20, 30 years of restaurant experience and some of them 15 years that I don't have. My yeah. company is only open 12 years ago, including the first four years of me learning. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I'm really experienced food and beverage hospitality, CEO only for six years. Yeah. And I have people that they have 15, 20 years of experience. How can I undermine that? So the vision shouldn't be yours to start with alone. You could be the bottom, the end of the, like the, the, the whole bigger picture is you tell them where you want to get and with the flexibility of changing where you want to get because the business is the business today, every five minutes is changing and anything you come up with somebody will copy it in five seconds yeah so you need to create that you know flexibility of listening to others and to changing while you're growing and modifying the vision and your mission while you're growing but one thing we couldn't modify at paramount is our dna and working hard for giving back to the community because it gives people reason to come to work with a big smile
1: yeah yeah. I, I like how you always bring it back to that, like giving back and community and all that, like everything, almost every answer you have, almost every vision, every strategy comes back to that kind of factor. Right. And it's really cool. But one of the things uh, I also want to talk about is like how you how does you and your team utilize technology in the workplace, in the company, in Paramount? Right. Like how's that uh, Everywhere. changing things?
0: Everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Including our new concept is all technology based, is all You know, you order online, you pick up without even from a cubby, right? Uh, The uh, online order will remember you and tell you what you ordered before. Uh, Our uh, accountability is held from a software system. When we enter that strategy I told you about, Mm -hmm. we'll take it to a software system where that strategy is divided by task. That task is allocated to a person and with a timeline. Mm. And that technology, we view all of us together, the software, we, we, we have access to all of it, and we see on that, basically, uh, project, where is it? Who's the person that hasn't completed that? And our software remind the person that, hey, you're stopping that project because the puck is right here. Yeah. So basically, all this is, is, is used with technology. Uh, all this used with, with, with our new softwares. Uh, even from reporting from stores to accounting department to everybody else including the franchisee we have our customized software that controls that this is all things i'm not used to i wasn't used to and i had to sit and learn from people how to do it but if it makes it easier and better for this for the team it's it's better for me and basically we we exactly know what we're selling a week we exactly know what food how many boxes of hummus a week a day yeah is it before lunch or after lunch and what is the preparation that we need and mm-hmm. accordingly what is the scheduling we need to do that preparation to maintain the food fresh including the ordering and including the cash flow purchase yeah, yeah yeah right yeah. because it's all tied together when you tie it and therefore you don't buy a lot your cash flow is still stable and you don't schedule a lot so your bottom line is better and you don't prepare a lot your food is better and you don't throw away food so it's all technology it all today. Together, yeah. It's all technology today. Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm.
1: amazing how much technology you can use like, to micromanage the workplace, to give so much feedback and like direct information, right? The data capture that's possible nowadays, right? Like, how do, how do you go about that decision-making process? Do you have an in-house team now? You have uh, dedicated technology and utilization of technology and betterment technology, or do you outsource? Like, how do you manage that? It's a combination. combination? It's
0: a combination. I mean, I like... I love our small, nimble team, right? But the the fun part about Payamount, even the people that we outsource, they become part of the family. And you yeah. find them so excited about what we're doing and, and they just want to be there. And I'm like, are these people, really, are they collecting enough for how many hours they come here? And you find them that they want to be part of it because it's not a lot and it's not often that the house at paramount are different it's not often people don't see that and i, and I was hit with that twice once with an employee of paramount an executive that said "funny you guys the house like i i, I and he used to be at a steakhouse very well known in the city yeah. and he said people used to say how's it going? Mm. what's up how's it going you know here at paramount how's your family yeah right uh, i heard your daughter is sick how's your daughter yeah right and and and, and that makes people feel attached Mm. right so the house are different Uh, having people from outside coming in we call them third party outsource they're not outsourced they become part of it Mm. because they believe that they're helping to get to eventually the good meaningful purposeful thing that you're doing absolutely to support that team but yeah to answer your question straight on point uh, we have our it our Technical people, people who's always searching for more innovation and everything. But you can never catch up. It should not be. It should be a combination. Like I said before, technology is great. We're always going to try our best to catch up. But you're never going to. No company will ever do. And you can run out of money before you catch up. But the bottom line is leaving the main thing that made your company different Mm. is why I took Paramount on, I took Paramount on because I wanted to deliver and send a message that immigrants could be great successful people in this country. I wanted to send a message that if we were, quite honestly, I believe in it and you have to be wired that way to believe in it. I believe that the problem of the world today could be resolved by sharing your bread together. If people sit on a table and share a meal together, they'll realize that we're much more alike than what we are different they will realize that we all have the same stories. And Margaret Mead, the biggest anthropologist in the world said that. Yeah. She said, we are much more alike than what we are different, but we like to focus on our differences, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think why I like the food industry, because it sends that message that if we were all to sit together and break a bread together, I think we will have much more, less a problem around the world. Absolutely. And we, you need to remember why you got into the business. Using technology should not become the business. should become the reason why the business is easier and you have more data. But going to a table or going to someone's life or an employee's life and say, hey, we have the best technology, but we never pay attention to you as a human. We have the biggest technology, but we never look after the community. Outside our business, we're making billions, but outside the people cannot eat, don't have money for food. You think your team will ever respect you? Mm-hmm. Never. Yeah. Never. Leadership is not about being a leader in your own business and domain. If you do not have a community and their team supporting you, you can never see success. And most importantly, you maybe see it, but you will never feel it. And a huge, huge difference. Because feeling successful is not how many millions you made. Is how much difference you made.
1: Jeez. I'm just gonna let that hang for a minute. That's that's amazing <laughs> sediment right there um <laughs> as i said like every answer you say like it always comes back to this uh, state of giving in the community right uh i mean do you have a future vision for like how paramount or anything else you can be utilized towards helping people more like what what's that look like
0: no i think the vision will always be flexible mm-hmm. how we approach it what we do uh, i mean we're going to continue and and i need to people to understand Yes, I go back to that. But part of the vision is to show, and it's very important, that being successful in business and being good to the community could exist together. Yeah, yeah. So You're definitely yeah, showing we, that. Yeah, we do not want to go and become a foundation. That's not what we're saying, Yeah. right? So most importantly is understanding that everything we do, that's why we're launching another brand. That's mm-hmm. why we're doing other things. So it's a must that Paramount remains successful to set exactly. an example there You could be successful in business and at the same time look after the community and be thoughtful and purposeful in the community. A lot of people actually say you need to pick. Yeah, definitely. I would have been probably four or five million dollars richer if I held all the money in my pocket and it would have been easier to become richer and have bigger toys and do everything I want. But is that what would make me happy? No, that's not it. I don't think there is any business worth doing. If there is nothing from your success and outcome of the business that has to benefit someone else and help other people that they're in need. I don't think it's worth even doing. So if you today tell me you'll get back your $4 million and you do not get involved in your community and you don't, or you make another $5 million and I'll say, no, thank you. You can keep it because it will take away from me the reason why I wake up. Yeah. And I think the reason why a lot of the people, my second family, which is my team, why they come to work and why we have so much respect for each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is like in Toronto right now, the, the, the culture really has shifted where now a lot of people are entrepreneurs, building businesses, coming up with all these ideas and building these new companies, right? And a lot of more established companies are taking advantage of this. It's the fact that instead of hiring in-house, they make these kind of partnerships and build up other smaller companies into becoming like a, 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 suppl- like a heavy duty supplier for them. Right, like how do how would people want to work with Paramount? Like if they want to if they want to work with Paramount, do you have a division set aside for that? Whether it comes from a technology side or a supplier side? Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, and again, our nimble team is our secret sauce of success, from cost to as well being aligned. Yeah. Right. And then you know different structure under us. Definitely, we're not a small team. We're over yeah. two thousand employees. But that the headquarter team being nimble is very important for us. But We've worked with a lot of new technology company, even supply chain company that use technology like Chef Hero, like Get yeah. Rescue. They're all friends that they have apps and they're young and they started and I love them. I love that even even the feel of them being having that grit and wanting to succeed. This is our next generation leaders and to all the CEOs that they've been established, you only get the knowledge for you to move it on. I go back to you. Yoda said it. Right. You get the knowledge and you pass it on. Right. And these people need our support, not only by mentorship, by proving to them, giving them an opportunity and allow them to prove themselves to you and to your companies. And it's a duty for us to build a better CEOs and better and more leaders around the world. And it will affect you down the road. Your children one day will go and ask another CEO that you have no control over him. And exactly what you did to other young entrepreneur will happen to your son and to your family member. So always, always act like those people are your children and our next generation leader, and look after them carefully because that's the future of Canada.
1: Absolutely, wow, that's I mean, that's a great great way of looking about uh, looking at it. Absolutely, I agree. And one of the things we do on this on the on the show is we like to introduce guests like to other guests who could potentially work together, right? so the technology I would like to talk about, it's um, I think number seven or eight in our podcast, uh, Tap Menu, they came on. Uh, can you bring up Tap Menu on the website, right? So this is a cool technology uh, they came up with. And I would love your thoughts um, from you know the scale of business you run on how this could be utilized within the restaurant industry, right? And we can probably give them that kind of feedback as well. So Tap Menu was created by um, uh, one of our guests came on, uh, Nicholas Fisher. Fisher. And basically, it's a digital tableside um, ordering service. Um, it's, so imagine like DoorDash or Uber Eats, but within the restaurant. Yeah, I think that's it. Tap menu. Nope, that's not it. That's top menu. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so um, I actually should have a demo. Well. No, I did not. Do you have one of the, the, the cards that i think left behind? Perfect. Thank you. So it looks like this. So for everyone who's looking, so it's a QR code with like NFC chip uh, built into the card. So when you come to a restaurant, you see a sticker or something on the store. And it, this is really popular in like China and Asia, where it's like you come to a restaurant, you get no menu, you get no point of sale, you no cash list. Right, everyone orders through a digital, digital on their phone. The food comes, they pay on their phone, and they leave. Right, So it's kind of like we're, we're kind of like trying to bridge the gap between this. So tap menu, I, I found a really cool random to minute event, and we brought them on the show. So essentially, you come in, you tap your device, and a menu pops up. And when you make the order, it goes right to the waitress. And the waitress can now come to the table, knows what you want to order, and maybe go with an upsell or suggest new additions to your order, confirm it, and put it through. It's kind of like when you go to sushi and you order, right? Except now you do it on your own device. It you brings your own device, so it brings down the cost of setting up in a restaurant. And you make the order, you can make payments through the system um, and go on your way. But the cool thing about that is it gives feedback, like a table by table feedback, what table's ordering what. Um, for this system, like the person doesn't have to make a, a profile, they just come in, order, and it gets sent. Now, any thoughts about this technology well
0: that works very well for boxed for our new concept called boxed okay. if you go to our website today there's a new concept called boxed okay so that works perfectly for it right as far as paramount concerned, some restaurants are set to send a cultural cultural message mm-hmm. that you do not want to skip the you know welcoming certain way absolutely and so it depends like how and where like some steakhouses will never be able to use yes. that. Others will be able to do that. It's a great idea. hundred uh, percent, especially for the age group in the financial districts. And like people are in rush, people wants fast, people worried about using paper receipt, setting up restaurants and all this. It's definitely an amazing idea. Congratulations mm-hmm. to whoever thought about it and there is a couple things in the market that today, is, including a digital table that you actually, you order on the glass of yep. the table and then you could run marketing under it and there is no paper. The menu is only seen there, right? And actually it does just by putting any code in it, remember you. Hmm. So our system unboxed will be the same. If you use the same credit card every time you show up, will call you by name, like the, the iPad will call you by name, or your app will call you by name. will tell you your last four orders. Yeah, What did you order f- from us? When was the date that you ordered? It reminds you everything that you did before. But this is amazing because as well, it'll give you the same almost thing if you're already set up Yeah, and you wanna change that way you're you, you're moving. Yeah, so yeah. congratulations. And- we're happy to actually look at it. Okay. That said, I'm not the expert. Yeah. I have better people, smarter people in my company <laughs> that will not let me make a decision alone of course. On this, <laughs> nor I would make any decision alone in my company today. Yeah. But definitely
1: we would love to,
0: to see what they have to say and we'll give them time for presentation for sure. Yeah,
1: I'd love to connect to you too and to see what, what you guys yes, think. Please. Um yeah. So th- this like one of the things I love about this podcast being reaching to reach into, like companies like this, mm-hmm. right? Cool technologies coming up to, to, to tackle this. But one of the cool things that we reached out about Tap Menu, so like full disclosure, we actually helped them out uh, to introduce them to like restaurants and um, to help them with their sales structure. So Bloom, uh, like outside the podcast, what we do is like sales engineering for companies. We set up their sales processes. So they're one of our clients for this. But um, the main thing about this we learned is that how restaurant culture is changing. A lot of people are, are very transactional restaurants are coming in. Sorry, I'm going to go a little, a little over time on this. But uh, <laughs> just because this is such an interesting okay. conversation. Well, can,
0: you, you're going to be cutting some stuff out, right? Probably. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, so just real quick. Like, how
0: Take is your time, I'm fine. I have... A,
1: what time is it? It's 12 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, 12.15? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. 12.30 okay. is fine. 12.30 is fine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just real quick about this. The culture of restaurants have changed where people are more transactional, especially the younger generation. They seem to come in more and they want to order they want to eat and they want to leave and generally they order like a lower price item like we talked to this uh italian restaurant and they're like no one the younger generation that order just comes in order apps and they share amongst each other they don't actually order mains and order full uh, full menu items anymore like entree um like mains dessert no, nothing like that yeah and they're more transactional they like to order get their food they don't have like to have conversations Right. How is the, sh- the culture shifting within restaurants and how's that, how that feedback been for the rest for Paramount? Yeah, definitely. It's bring this down. yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, definitely we're seeing that at a certain age group only. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think in Paramount in general, because we've been around for, for some time, 12 years, and people when they walk into an ethnic restaurant, like when I walk in to eat, uh, to go to Tapaniaki, I want them to do it. Yeah. 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 I don't want to get involved. I want them to do it. I want to live the whole experience, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah. Sometimes I want to jump out and buy just a box of sushi and leave, but I wouldn't go to Benihana to do that. I'll mm-hmm. go to somebody and stand in a mall or something. But if I want to walk to Benihana, I want them to drive me, right? I want mm-hmm. them to tell me what the whole experience and same thing at Paramount. Mm-hmm. I want them to bring me that big balloon, the bread, and then the hummus yeah. and you know, and you know, get somebody a couple times to bug me on the table and ask, yeah, them, how's yeah. it going? yeah, yeah, And what's going on? And if there's anything. So it depends again on the type and the style of restaurant. I'm not, I don't see that at my PLK's <laughs> PML's Lebanese kitchen, the smaller in the shopping center. People want to just order, just and bring, go, yeah. leave, go. So you only can get that attention digitally. Yeah. Right. Of recognizing them arriving as soon as they come close. Like when I come close to a Starbucks, something will pop up. We have advertising on ways as Paramount when you drive by Paramount. Well, like you remind them digitally, that's mm. fine. But it's still, even the younger generation, when they come to the bigger pay amount, it reminds them of something they've done before. They don't want to see all this digital and everything. They still want what reminded them of Paramount. So not every restaurant, all of us, we're catching up with technology, but what percentages, Yeah, right? Some of them cannot change their whole, because it'll become a different concept. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what we're doing by launching other concepts. Mm-hmm. So the people that prefer that original experience that always remained there, they have the human the touch, they, that. they have that. Yeah. And if people want to be just like selfie, check out a yeah. like mine, yeah, yeah. If t- that type of restaurant, they can do that. Too
1: okay awesome so you're trying to give different cultivate different experiences but different concepts but different concepts because we want
0: to be and remember where we came from and yeah, who we are absolutely And that's very important for us
1: yeah yeah so like another thing about like technology again right like one of the things that these companies like doordash and uber eats like these sas these giant sas companies right software service companies is they cut like a slice of processes away from a company that they would traditionally have inside and it goes in their control and distributed across a wide network, right? So like Uber Eats, DoorDash, these food delivery companies. It used to be a company gets a certain size, big enough, they can afford to have deliveries and they can outcompete small restaurants because they'll bring the food to you. No longer do the companies have, the, have like the competitive advantage of that, of just having money or the capital side to side to do deliveries. Now, anyone can list a restaurants. Even there are now industrial kitchens where people don't have, a fo- have like a storefront. Yeah, ghost, kitchen, ghost kitchens. Ghost yeah. kitchens, right that that are going on and coming about this so the actual restaurant and like that kind of food dining experience and everything is changing because the technology right the cultural shift right like do you notice that like how over the past 20 years our
0: life will change because what that's going to bring is going to bring less square footage for restaurants okay so paramount now is going to be closing five restaurants that they're five six thousand square feet when the lease will end at the Heartland location, which is this year, for example, yeah. we're gonna shift it to a smaller location. Okay. Because we have a lot of online orders, we have so we don't need that square footage, and that's gonna force the real estate uh, developer to actually price mm-hmm. to maybe more their square footage, but have smaller units. Yes. So yeah, the business technology is changing the whole model of business. So Paramount changed now the bigger location to 3,000 square feet, no more 5,000 right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no need 25% and the 25% of the money of the order going to overeat and or that. And that's a problem that everybody tried to win against. Absolutely. I think everybody should try to come with. Yeah. Cause you're never going to win against it. Yeah. Right. The only way to do it is they're using you to take the money and they're helping your business to reach other people and more and bigger amount of people. And you should use them for marketing campaign because like that's the only way. So send something with the food. Now, Paramount is putting a sticker out with the food when you order take out something with purpose, meaningful, mm-hmm. because we now cannot tell our story on the table. We want to say it in the bag. So how can we get that? So you need to use it instead of fighting it. Yeah. A lot of restaurants or a lot of uh, even our franchisee and other brand franchisees. say, How can we uh, have less sales on Uber Eats and you know what? Go after more sales. Yeah. Right. The top line is very important. Because when you, the top line goes higher in the restaurant, everything goes lower in every business, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Right? Go after using them to become your marketing campaign instead of going against them. Yeah. There's no other way
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, any predictions you have for the future you're, you're prepared for? Like, you already noticed these kind of changes and how it's changed your business operations and how you... The, the fact that you're so nimble at such a, such a large size is amazing, right? So do you? Do you, you, I guess, um, anticipate any changes, or what's your vision, like, I guess, right? What do you you hope the the future can look like within your industry, and what do you think it's moving towards, and do you think it's moving towards I think
0: definitely technology, uh, we're moving towards that, but we want to make sure we do not lose. uh, You could have everything very close to where technology is moving, but the food has to remain. The quality of the ingredient, the quality of the food has to remain, because at the end of the day, if we all have the same technology... There is, I always say, a lot of people, I want to be the best salesman. I want to be the best restaurant. I want to be the best. I think that's a war you can never win. Mm. I think you need to be the favorite, not the best. Wow. So, because, you know what? I did the best hummus today. Tomorrow, somebody will do better. (laughs) Right? Yeah. How do you become the favorite? You need to relate to people. Right? You need to... It's how you make them feel about your experience. And imagine if we all have the same technology and we're all racing each other for the best technology, how you become someone's favorite. And we need to continue discovering year by year, how is it changing to become someone's favorite? It's how you make people feel with the total experience. Imagine if me and the person selling sushi and the person selling cars have the same technology, the same way of delivery, the same way. How do I make people feel favorite? and that's going to be the biggest question because if you tell me that I'm your favorite restaurant he cannot come and tell you no he's not (laughs) he's my favorite what do you mean he's not if you tell me I'm the best restaurant he can say I'm not right so the trick and the recipe is going to be of winning is becoming people's favorite business to really give the business to and that's going to be the winning formula and business people need to find out how are you going to become the favorite bank? Yeah, not the best bank. You're going to make a mistake. Yeah. How are you going to be, become the favorite car dealership? Not the best one, because you can never be the best one. Everything you put out today, people will copy in five seconds yeah, yeah, with yeah. this digital world. Yeah, right. And I think that's going to be our hard work to really keep up with understanding and knowing what's happening doesn't mean following 100% what's happening. like. If you want to catch up with technology, you're never going to have enough money to be in business, (laughs) right? Follow what happened, know what's happening. Be at a certain level to accommodate people, but put all the focus to deliver food that you're proud of. Deliver a product that you stand behind. Don't lose yourself while you're selling stuff. A lot of people lose their principle. They lose... They, they are not proud of who they are and their product they're selling. Those are important things that we need to never lose while you're following technology. and want to become cool like, they, like, like oh, I want to be cool. I want to relate to the millennial. That's great. Do all this, but don't lose yourself. Don't lose your principles. Don't lose who you are and where you came from. And most importantly, keep working hard to remain their favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's such a unique way of putting it. You know, I mean, um, thank you for sharing that. Because technology has been called like, the great equalizer, right? So people are, are now yeah. more equalized than before because it makes things more transparent, more open. But by trying to go for people's favorite the emotional reaction rather than like, you know, a numerical, like being the best at certain, a certain metric, right? You can outcompete somebody. You can outcompete the market in that kind of sense, right?
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know what? More you do it right, more people's favorite you become, and it doesn't matter who brought another technology today. And you know, doesn't like look. If I want to bring a technology to Paramount, it's going to take me a couple years before I launch it, and the third year somebody else will launch another one, and then it's going to take me three, four years more before I launch another one. What do I do with my business? Becoming and making people people feel special, and become their favorite is your best way of approach all these changes and the facet changing of the business amazing.
1: landscape today. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So let's wrap up with one last thing, right? I want to bring stuff up, but I want to bring it up. Um, your work you're doing with the UNHCR uh, yeah. agency, right? Dale, if you can bring that up. Um, it's amazing work. So I just want to uh, shout out to this um, so you can talk a little bit about it. So you do a, you're pretty much the, the face and ambassador, brand ambassador for, the um, unhcr so can you talk a little bit about this agency and what you do
0: well i mean unhcr is united nations for Human humans right human rights and refugees uh, that's me i've been a refugee in my life i've been an immigrant yeah uh, i came here with nothing uh, during my life uh, even in beirut i had to leave my house my school go to another region of lebanon because i was running away from work so that's me and it goes back to the principle of not forgetting where you came from yeah, yeah. and not forgetting ever who you are yeah, th- absolutely despite how big your bank account became, right? You need to remember where you came from, where you were. And if you do that, that's great. And UNHCR came and asked me to become their face and voice. That something was, I was very proud of, I'm still very proud of it. I went, uh, (coughs) part of the things that you've seen Paramount doing, today we're very proud to have over 150 Syrian refugees in Canada here. We have over 50 Syrian refugees hired across the world. and that came from me visiting the borders of Syria and uh, Lebanon. During the war, I was there. I saw the camps. I actually spent a full day with children with no shoes, no coats. Freezing cold for them. Saw how much we could have done more as Canadian. Yes, you can cut a check. Yeah, That's a lip service. Yeah, Cutting a check is just, you know what, feeling yeah. better for yourself. But to be compassionate, you have to put some action in it. And when the government brought the Syrian refugees here, one day I was driving downtown and I heard on the radio, a lady was attacking how wrong the decision it was. So I called in and I put a shout out to all CEO to hire them. Yeah. And because they're here, these people didn't become a thing just because something that had nothing to do with them happened in their own country. And now we're here acting like we're giving them a charity just to give them a chance. When you do a study and you talk to a refugee, all what they want is a job. Yeah. They want another opportunity to restore their dignity. They don't want a handout of money. Yeah. Refugees and newcomers, new immigrants aren't looking for somebody to give them money. Absolutely. They're looking for someone to give them an opportunity. Yeah. And the best thing you can give them is a job when you ask them, when we did some research with UNHCR. And three weeks ago, I had the pleasure and the honor to visit Mexico and the border of guatemala and a lot of those areas that they're three hours away from us right here at the border of mexico women are allowing themselves and allowing others to rape them 30 40 times to cross the border with their children to reach a place with a better life i saw that in my own eyes i saw those women i interviewed them i got to understand that three hours away from here people are allowing themselves are allowing others to rape them in front of their children, just to put their children to safety. People didn't have money to eat, didn't have money to educate their children. Uh, fathers shot their sons just to basically, that the gangs will not take their children to sell drugs, to make sure that they say, see look, he's shot, his legs is hurting, he cannot go sell drugs. You know, sad stories that we don't realize that they're already three, three and a half hours away from here. As you see, all those experiences has changed my life, including being attacked by hate in Canada itself. My, me and my family, we, we did get attacked, and UNHCR's job has has given me a way of actually showing the world that you could only. You could make a difference not only very close to you you could make a difference around the world yeah, absolutely. and the reporting what happened in Syria reporting what happened is uh, happening in Mexico and Guatemala and Honduras hasn't changed my life for the better have changed my children's life for the better and I'm working hard to hopefully change other the other ways the other Canadian way of looking at this and, I, and at least my team is very supportive a lot of people that support my foundation I have a foundation as well are very supportive of supporting Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and the people there, Syrian refugees and the Syrian on the border. And now we're hearing Venezuela. Venezuela might be the biggest second problem happening soon in 2020, and it could be bigger than the Syrian refugee, and hopefully we'll do our best to be there for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Amazing work. Um, I mean, please follow you on... where, Where can people find more information about you? LinkedIn? I know you're pretty good on socials right now.
0: Yeah, right. just follow me about helping other people. Don't follow me anywhere. Except okay. Follow me on the path of, you know, being appreciative of what other people did to your life. Even the people you didn't realize that they helped you, even the harder, harsher people they were in your life, they have helped you to shape who you are. Yeah. Give back to the community, help one person, change one person's life as many times, as often as you can. And that will help me and that will follow me and follow my footsteps, hopefully. I don't think I'm just a Shawarma guy that I believe that I can change the world one Shawarma at the time, along with a very nimble team of humble people that Canadian had given us an opportunity. And to all the people that came here and the people that they were born here, let's give back. Let's give back every Perfect. time we can. The only way you don't give back is when you do not want to give back. You could give back by teaching. You could give back by just smiling to people. You could give back. in any way form or shape when you have the opportunity please give back that's how we build the canada the country that we all love that's how we build this country and that's how we build our reputation around the world in a world that badly needs it Maybe. we need more canada we need to make sure this country remain the the country that we is canada should always stay the place of hope for everyone thank you so much for being here thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with you here and to have the opportunity to chat and get some of the difficult questions about technology because I'm not the expert of technology (laughs) in my company.
1: Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you, Mohammed. Let's close the episode and uh, thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Appreciate it.